Look away to Jesus. Amen. He is the law of revival. Uh, so uh, we now come to chapter 3 of this marvelous book on the law of revival. And um, at the outset, I'd like to just uh, review a little bit. So there's four characteristics of our Christian life. And uh, number one is that our life is in cycles. Our life is in cycles. Uh, this is uh, wonderful, really, and, and it's really a revelation. A Christian life is in cycles. It has a beginning, it has a course, and it has an end. So at the beginning, we're revived. Uh, then there's a course, there's a process. It reaches a stage of fullness. And then it tapers off. There's a, uh, a waning. Um, so it's important for us to know this. Okay, the number two, second characteristic of our Christian life is that every new beginning has, we could say, two aspects or two sources. On the one hand, it could be the Lord drawing us, right? Like the seeker. Draw me. We will run after you. So he kisses us. He appears to us, and then we run after him. But, uh, and then in Hosea it says, he draws us with, with cords of a man, with bands of love. Right, the Lord does this. Uh, he, sh he appears to us, and then we're attracted, we run after him. But, you know, also we can run after him. There's also opportunities when we, there's just a yearning. There's a hunger, there's a, a thirst for the Lord, and we run after Him. So, in these cycles, sometimes the Lord begins, and sometimes we begin. <coughs> kind of mysterious. <laughs> well, the third is that every cycle has a process with a fullness. So, you need to be aware that in this process, in this course, there will be a fullness... There's an aspect of Christ that we enjoy, we appreciate, new light, new revelation. We pursue, we gain, and, and there's a fullness. And uh, you might not know when that ends, or if it's going to end, but you know when it ends. Let me put it that way. And so the fourth characteristic of our Christian life is that there is an ending to this cycle. So every, every cycle reaches an end, and I appreciate uh, Brother Dennis uh, last night bringing out this uh, footnote uh, from the word languishing in Deuteronomy 4.25. You know, there's such a thing as that when you're in the good land, you could languish there. Languish, it's quite an unusual word there. And the footnote is, is very, uh, very helpful. See, it's, uh, it says the word, which is a rare one. This is uh, footnote 1 from Deuteronomy 4.25 in the recovery version. The word, with, which is a rare one, language, implies the loss of spiritual freshness. The loss of spiritual freshness and the blunting of original impressions. So, you're in this process, it reaches a fullness, 
And then there's just a loss of freshness, a loss of vitality, a, a blunting uh, of that original impression, right? A knife needs to be sharp, you know, a, a blunt knife. It, it loses its sharpness. And you might not know how or, or why or, or when, but you know that it does happen. And so we need to be aware then of these four characteristics because what we're talking about uh, in this weekend is a law. It, this is what I've just described is a law. Whether you know it or not, it's a law in you. And this is the law of revival. So in the universe, God, he's sovereign, and uh, he has every right and authority to establish laws. And he does. So there's laws in the physical realm, the law of aerodynamics, the law of gravity, right? This is the law of gravity. Um, but there's laws in the spiritual realm. There's laws also in the spiritual realm. So this weekend we're talking about a law. A law in the spiritual realm. Like the law of the spirit of life. Romans 8.2. That's a law. In Hebrews 8.10 it speaks of the laws that I will inscribe in their hearts. That I will put into their minds. Those are the laws operating in the new covenant. Well, hopefully this weekend we will discover the law of revival. Amen. The law of revival. So, it's quite interesting. In the, in the spiritual realm, actually... Uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, are the laws in the physical realm, are they strict? Meaning, if I, I keep doing that, is it going to happen all the time? Right. Well, the laws in the spiritual realm are stricter than the ones in the physical realm. They're stricter. So there's laws of fellowship, love, oneness. There's even laws in the body of Christ. There's laws. So we're not speaking of a law in the legislative sense as in a traffic law. Uh, but even there, you know... You cannot plead ignorance. Ignorance of the law is no defense. If you're driving above the speed limit and you get stopped, we can say, well, officer, I didn't know about it. See, that's no defense. Or if you're driving with a cell phone on, that's no defense. Ignorance of the law is no defense. I think we all know that, right? Yeah. Right from experience. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, well... There's a law that we're talking about here, and it's not a legislative law. It's really a spiritual principle. It's an organic law. It's a spontaneous power, an automatic power that operates. Okay. So uh, let me uh, give you five factors somewhat to summarize. And I think if you get this, uh, you get the, uh, I think you get this. When, you, you'll get this chapter. I don't recommend that you go to sleep after this, but hopefully you can pay attention, write down these five points, and I think you'll get the burden. So number one, when talking about the law of revival, this is not a miracle 
but a law. Let me state them, and then I'll go back little by little. So it's not a miracle, but a law. Number two, it's not accidental, but metabolical. Number three, it's not restorative, but constitutive. Number four, it's not terminal, but cyclical. And number five, it's not tenuous, nor sporadic, but it's continuous. Okay, so let me go back. And uh, I got some uh, dictionary definitions to help us out. So a miracle. What's a miracle? Let me give you the definition from the dictionary. An extraordinary event taken to manifest the supernatural power of God fulfilling His purposes. That's a miracle. Extraordinary and supernatural. It's an event or effect in the physical world deviating from the laws of nature. That's a miracle. An accomplishment or occurrence so outstanding or unusual as to seem beyond human capability. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. The law of revival is not this. It's not extraordinary. It's not supernatural. It doesn't deviate from the laws of nature. It's not unusual or outstanding or beyond human capacity. So, what we're talking about is the law of revival. It's not a miracle. So, what we're speaking of here is an organic principle. A spontaneous, automatic power. So, it's an order or relation of phenomena that is invariable under given conditions. You fulfill the conditions, it will happen every time. That's a law, the law of revival. Okay. Number two, it's not accidental, but metabolical. Accidental. What's the definition? Well, it arises from an extrinsic factor or cause. The cause is from the outside. So it's not innate, not intrinsic. It occurs by chance. It's unpredictable, and it's an uncommon deviation. So the law of revival is not accident. It's not an uncommon deviation. Once you know it and apply it, it's not extrinsic but intrinsic. It doesn't happen by chance. It's not unpredictable. But rather, the law of life is metabolical. It's a metabolism. And the metabolism is just the sum of the processes where we absorb new nutrients and we discharge the old nutrients. And that's the process of growth. It's a metabolic function. Okay, so number three, it's not restorative, but constitutive. This is very much our thought. It's... uh, Revival is kind of a reawakening to bring you back to where you were at before. That would be to restore you, right? It's not that. So what's to restore is to bring back to the former or original state. That's to restore you back to where you began. 
But the law of revival, it doesn't bring you back to where you were. It brings you forward. So it's constitutive. Meaning it uh, forms or makes or composes organically what is our inward constitution. It adds constituents to our, our stature in Christ. So number four, it's not terminal but cyclical. We really have this thought that the Christian life is just like one long cycle. It's not like that, right? The, there's oscillations, as Brother Bob was saying, right? And the frequencies of the ups and downs, the frequency of the oscillations really depends on your disposition. If you're a sensitive and emotional man, you're going to be a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. If you're not that emotional, it's, it's going to be a long wave. And then a long down, right? But it'll still be up and down. So the law of revival is not terminal. Meaning, it, it, we're not talking about a fixed period of time. But rather, cyclical. And the definition here is very applicable. Listen to this. There's two definitions. What's a cycle? It's an interval of time during one sequence of regularly recurring successions of events. That's what we're talking about. Regularly recurring succession of events. That's what we're talking about, a cycle. Now, the second definition here is, is very much, uh, very exact. It says, it's a recurrent sequence of events which occur in such an order, now listen to this, that the last event of one sequence immediately precedes the recurrence of the first event in a new series. See, this matches what we shared, what was shared last, uh, the previous meeting. So, as you come to the conclusion, right, of that cycle, that actually is the green light to the new revival, to the new cycle. Okay, then finally, uh, fifth, it's not tenuous or sporadic. What's tenuous? Well, it has little substance. It's flimsy, insignificant, hazy, vague. No, 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 we're not talking about something tenuous, flimsy. We're, we're, and we're not talking about something sporadic either. Sporadic means that it occurs occasionally or infrequently. But rather, the law of revival is, the law of revival is continuous. Continuous. Which means there's an uninterrupted extension in time or in sequence. So, I hope these, uh, these would be helpful to you. How about we repeat them? It's not a miracle, but a law. Not accidental, but metabolical. Not restorative, but constitutive. Not terminal, but cyclical. Not tenuous or sporadic, but continuous. How about you say that to your neighbor? Just say it one to another in the neighbor. <laughs> Not a miracle, but a law. Not accidental, but metabolic. Not restorative, but constitutive. Not terminal, but cyclical. 
continuous or sporadic, but continuous. Okay, so revival is a law. It's a law of the spiritual life. And um, every organism has laws, every organism. So biology is really the study of these laws in terms of growth, reproduction, behavior, patterns, migrations. Isn't it amazing, a monarch butterfly can go all the way from Canada to Mexico and back to Canada. The turtles have these migration patterns. They, they, uh, they're hatched in a beach. They go out, little, little turtles, they go out into the ocean. And then eventually, you know, they come back to where they were hatched. The salmon does too. It's amazing. It goes down the river, goes out into the ocean. How do they know where to come back? You know, they're fighting dams, they're fighting bears, you know. I mean, they're fighting everything, they're fighting the current, and eventually they get back. It's amazing. We, were in, uh, we lived in New York for a number of years, and all of a sudden, one summer, it was like all of these cicadas, you know, they're chirping, they're making awful noises, you can't sleep. But what happened? They were underneath, they were buried. But I think they have like a 17-year cycle, then all of a sudden, the cicadas, just, they just wake up after so many years. Right? They, they, what, what's going on? There, there's there's a, a law. There's internal laws in every, in every organism. You know, so the law that we're talking here is, 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 is really this organic principle. This spontaneous power. It operates continuously. So... Um, Okay, let's address our, our normal thought of what is a revival. Uh, whatever background, even if you don't have a background in Christianity, but definitely you have a background in Christianity, this is, your, this is our thought. So a Christian stumbles, backslides, grows cold, goes to the world, sins. Then all of a sudden, he turns his heart back. He pursues the Lord. That's a revival. That's a revival. That's a reawakening. And so we might think, hey, I identify with that. That's a revival. Wouldn't you say that? Well, that's restorative. That just brings you back to where you were. That doesn't take you forward. Well, don't get me wrong. If you stumble, if you sin, if you backslide, surely you need a revival. Don't get me wrong. Surely you need a reawakening. But the point is, even if you don't stumble, even if you don't backslide, you still need a revival. Because that cycle that you're in will reach its end. But if you don't recognize this, if you don't know this, then uh, you won't be able to apply the law of revival. Why? Because... Being revived is a law, is a law. So we're speaking of something not restorative, bringing you back to that former state, but rather something that will bring you forward, constitutive, with growth, 
Okay, so we're talking here about a, meta a metabolic function. So a revival really equals the metabolic function of any organism. So for any organism to, to grow, to mature, there needs to be that metabolic functioning. Uh, you know, there's a lot of trees out here, right? You know, the, the sequoia tree is amazing. I don't know if you ever studied the sequoia tree. Well, there's, there's a, an organic metabolic principle with the sequoia trees. You know, they grow, uh, they last for about, I think, 2,700 years. Uh, a sequoia, a tree. So that, that tree was there, you know, when Christ was in <laughs> Jerusalem, you know, and before that. So why can they last that long? So there's a metabolism because they can defend against their three most powerful enemies. You think about what is an enemy of a tree. So bugs. So the bugs go in, they bore in, and they kill the tree. A lot of the trees around here, you know, the, the needles are getting destroyed. Well, these sequoias, they have this chemical inside in their sap that the bugs don't like. So it's kind of like an inward bug repellent. It's inside of them, so the bugs don't like them. So they stay away from these sequoias. Number two, what's a real problem if you're out here? Drought. Drought is a big problem. So they have these extensive root systems. I think they even go up to like 100 yards. Massive. But they don't go down. Mainly they go horizontally. So that any little moisture, they can capture it. You know, then they can live 2,700 years. You need moisture. They grow up to be like 325 feet. These things are humongous, huge. Okay, then... The third, I know you've been saying it, but I want to leave it to the end. What is it? Fire. Fire. Um, actually, you know, there's lightning strikes, and you can actually go see the trees, and there's lightning strikes. You can see where the lightning struck, and that tree is still there. How about you in your Christian life? Lightning strikes? Are you still there? So we need this metabolism, right, to work in us. And, uh, well, it's not just the fire. So even this sap inside of them is kind of like a fire retardant. It's quite striking. Uh, but, you know, we need fire, brothers and sisters, in our lives. We do need fire. And Peter talks about this, that the proving of our faith is much more precious than of gold. What's that proving? That's fire. Well, let me apply it to the sequoia tree. You know that the sequoia tree can't reproduce without fire? Isn't that amazing? Because all the cones with the seeds, they're up at the top. They're up at the top. So they need fire to come in and to dry up those cones so that those little seeds can fall to the ground. So they need fire to propagate, to reproduce. 
Now, what if down below there's a bunch of trees and shrubs? You know, that little seed, it has no chance to survive. Because it's not going to fall to the soil. So you know what the fire does? Whoosh, just clears out everything. So that little seed can just fall into that mineral-rich soil, pick up all the moisture that all the other trees would have been picking up, and it can grow. So we have the life of a sequoia tree. Much higher, actually. But these principles really apply to us. So what, what I'm talking about here is a, is a metabolism. The law of revival is metabolical. So uh, let's apply it you know, to the human life. So the human life basically gets renewed every couple of years, like every seven years. Every couple of years, the cells in our metabolism, they get renewed in our system. And that's how we grow. We eliminate the old, and then new are added. So metabolism is just that process where we're discharging the old, and we're assimilating the new. Well, in the spiritual life, there's also a spiritual metabolism. And so what is this metabolic process? It's a cycle repeated continuously. So when we talk about metabolism, it's tied to the cycle. This metabolic process is really a cycle that's being repeated continuously. It has a beginning, it has a process, and it has an ending. So the beginning, the process, and the ending is the spiritual metabolism. And that is the law of revival. That, that's the law of revival. So there's a cycle. Every new beginning is a revival. Then there's a process, a path. And then that path reaches fullness... And then there's a waning, a tapering off, and an end. And then that prepares the way for a new cycle. For a new cycle. Okay, so you need to know this law. We need to, we need to have this law revealed to us, unveiled to us. Um, you know, if, if you know the secret of something, you will have the assurance to do it well. Right? You need to know the secret. So my wife, she has perfected the art of arroz con gandules. Right? I think some of you can, uh, it resonates, right? So it's a type of rice. It's kind of a staple in the Caribbean cuisine. It's a rice with pigeon peas. Uh, pigeon peas, gandules. So it's arroz rice con gandules with pigeon peas. You might not even know what a pigeon pea is. Kind of like a little, like a little pea, or like a little uh, bean, like a little bean. Yeah. So obviously, you know. So if if it's for ten or for forty, no problem. But you need to know the rice, and then you have you need a chote, so it becomes yellow, and then uh, you need the right quantities of water, the time temperature, and so forth. That, that's important, but that's not the secret. You know what the secret is? You know what the secret is? Yeah, yeah, she knows. Sofrito. See, all the Puerto Rican saints know, right? You know. Once you, <laughs> Once you know sofrito, 
Now you touched the secret. What's sofrito? It's, it's onions with bell peppers, with garlic, and cilantro. Sorry, Aswa, I know you don't like cilantro. <laughs> okay, that's the secret. Onions, garlic, bell peppers, and cilantro. So, you know, you know, the Puerto Rican sisters, you know, they have like a batch, they have like sofrito day, you know, they just like, they, they do massive industrial quantities of sofrito, they put it in the freezer, and they have these cubes, and it's time to cook a stew, boom, sofrito. Time to cook arroz con gandules, boom, sofrito. You know, everything sofrito, right? Why does it taste so good, you know? Like after a couple of years, it's like, why does it taste so good? Then I realize, sofrito. That's the secret. Well, how does this relate to the law of revival? Well, if you touch the secret of the law of revival, it will be easy for you to be revived. It'll be easy. Because you've touched the secret. Uh, So in this northern village in China, uh, these villagers, they got night blindness. Night blindness. So it, it was uh, kind of a disease where you saw in a blurry way and it was kind of your, your vision was dim. You, you couldn't really focus. So then they made a discovery that if you eat this fish, which is a flat fish, then your eyesight got restored. A discovery. So people that understood this discovery and believed it and applied it, they ate the fish, and in particular, the liver of the fish. So, you know, fish liver oil, you know, there's something to that. Anyways, the point is, (laughs) it tastes terrible, but it has a function. So, they ate that liver of that flatfish, and their eyesight got restored. So, it's not a miracle. You know, if you have night blindness, you know, you shouldn't be saying, Oh, God, you know, give me my sight back. No, just go eat the liver of the flatfish. That's all. You don't need to beg. Don't ask for a miracle. Why? Because that liver of that flatfish has vitamin A. And the night blindness was, was due to a deficiency in vitamin A. So once the discovery is made, you can be healed. Let me tell you, once you make the discovery of the law of revival, you will be healed. Ongoing, ongoing, ongoing in a cyclical, continuous, constitutive, not accidental way. Not miraculous. Okay, so, you know, among us, and, you know, we have this sickness. We, I think we can relate. We, you know, there's times when we have night, night blindness, you know. Isn't that right? Um, so we feel down, we feel oppressed, we feel weak, uh, we feel unsatisfied. But you, there might even be darkness. And then now you check, and then you haven't stumbled, you haven't backslid, right? Then you, but you don't quite know, well, what's going on? And so you, 
you have the night blindness, but you don't know the cure. You don't know that you need that, eat that flatfish liver. So it's normal. It's normal at the end of a cycle to feel that way. It shouldn't surprise you. It's normal at the end of that cycle to feel like that. Dissatisfying, weak. Why? There's a loss of vitality. The Christ that, 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 that was so fresh, to you, you, you lost that vitality. You lost that freshness. What's that? That's the end of the cycle. But that means that's a green light. See, if you don't know the secret, you might think, I'm doomed. And, and you might be sitting there, you know, begging God to do a miracle for you. Or you might just be, you know, just hitting yourself, right? Among us Catholics, you know, we kind of have this thought, you know, I have to like hit myself, right? You know, penance. So somehow, you know, God will just have mercy of me and, and just kind of stop that. So we, you know, we, we, we condemn ourselves. And, or we're begging for a miracle. We're begging. So that pause gets extended and it's not normal. Why? Because you do not know the law of revival and so you don't apply it. Okay, so it's normal for there to be a pause. But the pause should not be that long. And this is a key here. Because at the end of that cycle, it's normal to have that pause, to feel weak, dissatisfied, somewhat in, in, in darkness even. You're, you're just not happy. The, the freshness is not there. Well, there should be a pause, but the pause should not be that long. So we need to learn not to linger that long in that pause. Because actually, if you look at it from the proper perspective, from the law of revival, that's just the end of a cycle. Which means a door is open, or is opening with a green light for a new revival. For a new stage and a new beginning. So how is the growth in life tied to this? Because the law of revival is constitutive. So the growth in life is gained in this cycle. This is where there's the growth in life happens, in this cycle of being revived, feeling dissatisfied, and being revived again. This is where the growth in life happens. So if you don't pass through many of these cycles, you will stagnate in your, in your growth. But if you go through a lot of these cycles then you will grow. So let's, let's look at the physical realm, right? If, and there's the principle applies in the, in the, spirit, in the physical realm. Uh, for a person to be healthy, you need to exercise, right? To accelerate the metabolism. To have a healthy metabolism, you need to exercise. To be fit, to be healthy, to grow. So in the pandemic, uh, eventually we saved up 
There were discounts on the treadmills, and we got a very basic treadmill. And so, um, you know, and I don't like treadmills, uh, but we got a treadmill because we need to exercise. So we got the treadmill. We, we put it together with my wife. And then uh, after the first two sessions, right, 10 minutes max, I was winded. You know, mind you, before that, I was walking like 30 minutes on a daily basis outside, walking. But five, 10 minutes on that treadmill, my lungs were burning. My, my, my muscles, they were aching. I couldn't walk for two, three days afterwards, right? <laughs> like, well, exercise sounds really good, but... But if, if you don't go through that cycle, then you never progress. So after a couple of weeks, taking it slow, the 10 minutes became 15, became 20. I'm now up to 30. And then the speed begins to increase. The incline begins to increase. And so one of the days I was talking to my wife, and I, you know, I had gotten up to the speed of three. So I felt, you know, that's quite an accomplishment, you know. Some of you guys are laughing, you realize, wow, that's way down low. But anyways, that was an accomplishment for me, without falling off of the treadmill, without holding onto the bars. And so talking to my wife, I'm like, you know, well, so how are you doing? What, what speed are you up to? It's like nonchalant. She says, it's like 3.5. like, What? And I'm like patting myself on the back for three. So it's good to encourage one another, you know? <laughs> Anyways, I'm like, if she's doing 3.5, I'm definitely going to do 3.5. So, you know, little by little, right? So you're going through these cycles. And then what was difficult before really is not that difficult a month in or two months in. And then I found out of this VO2, uh, which is kind of like a, a way to measure your uh, cardiovascular capacity. Right? So it's kind of like the, the measure of how much you, you can assimilate the oxygen right, in your body. And then, uh, you know, I, I checked the VO2. It's flat. That, you know, I had kind of gotten up to a certain level, and then it plateaued. I mean, it was like flat. How can I get that VO2 up? So I'm researching, right? Interval training. Man, so now this is like another level, right? <laughs> so you got to jog, you know, for short intervals. Praise the Lord. I'm learning, Basil. <laughs> so now I'm up to four one-minute jogs at four. It's a very small jog, but anyways, I'm jogging. And then it takes me about five minutes to recover. You know, eventually, hopefully, I can recover in a minute. But I'm not there yet. But the point is, you know, once you're pushing yourself and you're going through these cycles, and then your cardiovascular metabolic function becomes healthier and healthier. This 
actually happens in our life with the Lord. The, the growth comes from this metabolic function, of this cycle, of this beginning, of this continuous cycle of being revived, being dissatisfied, and then uh, being revived again. Um, so the more we're revived, then the more of the elements of Christ get added to us, then the more of the self and the natural, the natural constitution, they get discharged. And then there's this cycle. And then little by little, then there could be uh, this constitution, this progress, this growth. Okay, so... Now, it's really interesting. So, now, we're, we're talking about this cycle. And you're at the end of the cycle. And, um, you know, when we're down or we're low, when we're not satisfied, it's really quite interesting. That's when you know, that's when you get to know yourself. Now, think about it a little bit. You know, when you're high and enthous you know, enthusiastic, you know, you don't really know yourself. You think, my, you know, I'm not getting angry anymore. The Lord solved. He healed my temper. He threw it into the ocean. And then you go down again and you realize, man, the temper is still there. So it's really when you're low, when you're down, when you're still, then you gain a particular knowledge of yourself. When you're excited, everything's going good, you don't really know yourself. You know, when we bought the treadmill, I was reading on exercise, wonderful, and then you're kind of excited about exercise. You know, after a couple of sessions, you realize, whoa. Uh, you calm down and you realize, well, exercise is going to take priority. <laughs> going to take... Uh, sacrifice is not going to be easy. So it's when you're low, it's when you're in that, that condition at the end of the cycle. That's when you really get to know who you are. Because then you, at that point, and this applies to any situation, is when you're still, when you're calm, that's when you can see the advantages and the disadvantages. The benefit and the harm. The good and the bad. It's really when you're at that stage. You know, when you're in Revive, and you're in that, it's a crest, right, of the wave. You're at the top of the wave. Man, I'm for the Lord. I love the Lord. Lord, my money is yours. Right? Have you ever done that? My time is yours, right? You're just reckless. Just, Lord, I love you. I just give you everything. And the Lord says, okay, very good. I take that. <laughs> and we do that, right? But it's when you, when, you, when you descend, that's when you gain a particular knowledge of yourself. So <clears throat> it's kind of like a reef. A reef could be very close to the surface of the sea. With the high tide, you don't see the reef. But when the, the tide is low, you can see the reef. And so that happens 
in terms of knowing ourselves. So this is a law. After a revival, your real condition will be manifested. This is a law. You will really get to know who you really are at the end of that cycle. This is a law. Uh, so normally, we would feel, man, know myself, that, that, uh, that's kind of stinky. You know, I really don't want to be there. Uh, smells bad, it looks bad, it's putrid. But let me tell you, it's only when you gain that particular knowledge of yourself that you can truly gain experience and know Christ. So the knowledge and experience of Christ are based on the knowledge of ourselves. Quite striking. The knowledge and experience of Christ are based on the knowledge of ourselves. So, in order to genuinely know Christ, we must first discover our weaknesses. Then, in that weakness, we discover a characteristic of Christ. That weakness enables you to touch an aspect of Christ. Now think about it in the gospel. The gospel was preached, and, you know, the redemption of Christ is presented, his love, his righteousness, his dying on the cross. To you, that might just be doctrine. Until one day, the Spirit operated in you and touched you, and you realized, and you realized I am a sinner. I'm an enemy of God. It's my sin that put Christ on the cross. Then that knowledge of yourself brought you to know Christ as your Redeemer, Amen. as your Savior. You see, then you touched and you gained an aspect of Christ because of that weakness in you and that knowledge of yourself. So the same is with... Uh, Christ as life, or the power of resurrection. That could just be doctrine to you. But then all of a sudden, you're in a situation with a lot of mountains around you, difficult situation around you, there's no way out, there's obstacles, there's difficulties, you just don't, you're, it's a hopeless situation, you don't know how to get out of it. But then, you read or you hear about Christ being resurrected. He's broken through. He's released. He resurrected. He's not bound by death. He's not bound by sickness. He's ascended. He's on the throne. And you touch that, you get released. You do because it's in that low condition that you're in that you touch a person and that person is life and you get released. Because he's exalted, now you're brought to be exalted with him. So this, this revival, it's not a, a, like once in a lifetime experience. This is cyclical. It's continuous. So the more we're revived, the more we know Christ. But in between is that you have a knowledge of yourself. And that knowledge of yourself enables you to discover an aspect of Christ that now you can pursue. 
and that pursuit of Christ in that aspect, then is your revival. Uh, one time, uh, a brother uh, from another country, he, he communicated with me, sent me an email. He said, brother, I need to come up and stay with you. And I had only met him in, uh, in a business trip before uh, being full-time. I worked in, in New York, and I had traveled down to South America. I met this brother. I, I really didn't know him. He called me. He said, I need to come up and stay with you. So what are you going to do? Well, you've got to check with the Lord. You've got to check with your wife. <laughs> we need our wives. You know, we had kids. Wife said, okay. He came. Three months he stayed with us. So what was the issue? Well, they had bought a hall. And the value of the currency, the currency got devalued in that country. And their debt was in dollars. So basically, whatever debt they had was now four times that amount. And they were going to lose that haul. So, you know, before that time, and, and, you know, he kind of knew about the body of Christ in doctrine, the headship of Christ, fellowship, love, oneness. That was kind of all a theory. But when you're in the hole and you're about to go bankrupt and you don't have a way out and you reach out and the body Christ as the head in the body meets your need. That is real. The body becomes real to you. Christ headship becomes real to you. The fellowship among the members, it becomes real to you. The oneness, the sweetness, the supply of the body, the limitation of the body, then all of a sudden it's so real because you were in that situation. So you know, at the end of the cycles, you know, our heart becomes disheartened. You know, it's like, where is the Lord? Where are you, Lord? He, he, you know, you're, you're enclosed, right? You know, thinking about the apple tree. You know, the Lord was so sweet, and the Lord's just out there skipping. He, he's not with you, commiserating with you. He's out skipping. He's the, the hill-skipping Christ. He's the mountain-leaping Christ. He's a church-loving Christ. You're loving yourself. He's loving the church. Amen. Right? The, the, the services need to be built up. Where are the serving saints? You need to touch the church-loving Christ. To serve. To love others. To sacrifice for others. See, these are the lessons. Little by little, the Lord is bringing us through cycle by cycle. So what we see of ourselves then that becomes a reflection that enables us to see Christ, an aspect of Christ that we then pursue. And that pursuit, that's a revival. That's a revival. Well, so, if we're skillful, then, in the application of the revival, or the law of revival, if we're skillful, if we touch the secret, then, saints, it will be easy for us to be revived. Do you believe that? it will be easy for us to be revived. Because at the end of the cycle, when you feel down, depressed, disheartened, and you see an aspect of yourself, 
then that enables you to discover an aspect of Christ. You pursue Christ, and that's a green light. You're now being revived again. In this cycle, constitutive, organic cycle, continuous cycle. So this matches 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. These verses are new. Let me read you these verses. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. It says, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Pay attention to how many times Paul says weakness here. My power, this is the Lord speaking, is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weaknesses. This is Paul now. I will rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ might tabernacle over me. Therefore, I am well pleased in weaknesses in insults, in necessities, in persecutions, and distresses on behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am powerful. How about that? When I am weak, then I am powerful. Paul, what are you talking about? So let me translate. So, when I am weak, I see that Christ is strong. Therefore, I am strong because Christ is strong. Yeah. See, when I am weak, I don't look at myself. I look away. I look away into Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. So when I am weak, and I realize that I am weak, I turn my eyes and I see... Christ is powerful. Therefore, when I am weak, I am powerful. In Christ, who is powerful. So when I am low, I am soaring. Amen. Amen. How about we declare this? When I am low, I am soaring. Well, let's declare 2 Corinthians 12. When I am weak, I am powerful. How about we declare this? When I am weak, I am powerful. Why are you powerful? Because now you're linked. You have a linking faith linked you to the powerful Christ. So, pauses will come. But saints, do not stay in that pause. Don't linger in that pause. Pauses are necessary. But if you linger too long... In that pause, I like this example, right, with Paul <laughs> mentioned. You're in the train, you're in the tunnel. Actually, Brother Nee says that any entrance into a subjective experience, it's two mountains in a tunnel. Your first mountain, you get excited. You see something. You think you have it. But it's all emotion. It's all feeling. So what does God do in His wisdom? He transports you to a tunnel. And in the tunnel, that all that suffering, all that heat, that pressure, that puts that vision into your being. So don't get out of the train in the tunnel. So that's a pause, but don't get out of the train. So the pauses are necessary. Actually, they're not bad. They're needed. But it's just that pause is for a green light 
into the new experience of Christ. Amen. So, when, when we're weak, at the end of that sequence, that pause, and we see ourselves, then we should be exercised to discover, Lord, what aspect of Christ do you want me to know of you? And that's pretty much predicated on how you are and how you feel. And then that becomes your pursuit of Christ in this next stage. And then you put your eyes, you look away into Jesus, you're beholding Christ. You're not beholding yourself. You're not looking at yourself. So it's, it's like this. It's fact, faith, experience. The faith is, needs to be put on the fact. Then you have the experience. Right? I think you can look at it as like these three people on a wall. Fact, faith, and experience. When faith gets put on your experience, and you're looking at your experience, what happens? You fall. You fall off the wall. But when fact, when the faith is put on the fact, then that brings you into the experience. This is the law of revival. This is the law of revival. So those who are being revived in this way, saints, if we are revived in this way, continually, in this cycle, we will grow. The stature of Christ in us will grow. And we will be revived. And we will grow. And we can join Christ in his move. Because you're brought out of your feelings. And you're brought into a vision of Christ, his person, his death, and his resurrection. That's objective to you at first, but then it becomes subjective. And so you begin to experience Christ in his person, his death, and his resurrection. That becomes a vision to you. Repeat it time and time again. So I, I, I wrote, down, wrote, wrote down these things. When I am down, then I am in ascension. How about that? When I am down, I am in ascension. Amen. Amen. When I am dead, I am resurrected. Amen. Because Christ is resurrected. When I am weak, then I am strong, because Christ is strong. When I am in darkness, then I am in the light, because Christ is in the light. When I'm in captivity, then I am free. When I'm sad, then I'm joyful. And when I'm selfish, then I am a slave. Because I touch the church-loving Christ who sacrificed for the church and is now a slave to serve others and to serve the church. Praise the Lord for the law of revival. How about we pray one with another?